Hello there, space fans. Welcome to a new episode of the Supercluster Podcast. This is Robin, Chief of Content. I'm here with Chris Gebhardt, Assisting Managing Editor of nasaspaceflight.com and contributor to Supercluster. It's been a while since Chris and I have been on the podcast. We've been pretty busy preparing for the first crew launch on American soil since the end of the shuttle era. I'm sure our Supercluster listeners have been following along with the news. But Chris is on the podcast today to talk about a few different updates. NASAspaceflight.com has been doing incredible coverage of the Starship development down in Boca Chica. And it's been quite a week. I want to start off this episode with saying happy birthday to SpaceX. Chris and I are taping this on Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Today is May 6th. And according to a tweet I saw from Michael Sheets, I have to cite him. He posted it early this morning that 18 years ago today, SpaceX was formed by Elon Musk. And Chris, it was. I will let you go right into Starship News because you guys have been on the <laughs> forefront of this story. And it's just a good day to, for this to happen. I know it happened last night, but it's such cool timing. Yeah, so SpaceX has been like churning away down there in South Texas with their mm-hmm. starships. And, you know, we've seen some instances of previous starships not surviving pressurization tests or, you know, an incorrect testing config, like what happened to the previous one. This is the first one that made it through all of its pressurization checkouts. And then they moved on to basically a wet dress rehearsal and fueling tests with the liquid methane in and the liquid oxygen in as well. And then a couple nights ago, they did the first full up fueling test where both hydrogen and methane were loaded together into the vehicle. First time that had happened, they got what was known as the pre-burner test done, which was basically they successfully pumped fuel into the engines, but there was no ignition of those engines. And then last night, they came in, they had a testing window that opened at 6 p.m. local time down there, and they came in and they fueled and they pressurized and the sirens turned off and we got a good, seemed about like five, six second long engine firing and static firing of the Raptor underneath the Starship. And Elon then tweeted that everything was good with that test. So now they move on to the very exciting 150 meter hop, which could come as early as next week. Mm-hmm. We're going to be celebrating at Supercluster. We've been working on something really cool to celebrate that 150 meter hop, and we're going to be releasing it soon. So we're really excited for that. Chris, I watched your live stream the first night for like quite a few hours. The six hour um, long live yeah. stream, yes. <laughs> and yes. I popped in and out throughout the night. I stayed up. It was really amazing to see the engagement you guys got on that that YouTube channel with people just waiting to see what will happen. It's extraordinary. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, I, I admit, you know, one of the, one of the things we were able to do, which was awesome and, and my hats off to the, to the team for this, you know, they were the ones who really planned, who did plan all of it. And of course, to Mary down there in, in Boca Chica. But you know, what was great about it is that as, as that night went on as the one that was six hours long, where they got to the pre-burner test toward the very, very end, because we're such a huge team, it allows some of us to go off. So like I was able to, to jump off that call and go to bed and get rest in preparation for the next night, right? Just in yeah. case that we went long that next night too. And that's been a huge help, you know, I, I think to the, to the entire team. But a lot of them have stayed on the entire time. And it's been, it's been fun just hanging out and, and watching it because there is something so weird about 
watching these things take place out in the open like this that right, we almost right. never get to see. And yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because you spend a lot of the time just going, we don't know what it's going to look like. You, right. know? Right. you know, we're learning with you. Well, last night it did this. So if it does this again, maybe that's a visual clue of what's going on. Yeah. And I just wanted to give a quick reminder to our listeners. Chris and I went down to Boca Chica. I think it was September of last year. And we hung out with SpaceX and Elon gave a talk and we got to, you know, get the lay of the land. We went down there with our friend Pauline Ackley, an incredible photographer. She was works with Supercluster now. But we were looking forward to being down there again. And Chris, when do you think we'll be the next time we're down there? I don't know. Definitely not for the 150 meter hop. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's too, I don't know. I feel like, I think if, a you know, the pandemic situation wasn't, that situation, I think I would have considered going down, possibly. Oh, 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And given the situation, I think it's best we hold off until the second hop is or or even an orbital flight. The 20 kilometer hop or or the orbital hop. Yeah. Or the the intermediate test, you know. Yeah. it's, It's all which we were talking about last night. Hard to say. I'm not really trying to plan that far out because so many things are are changing. And, you know, a lot of some of our states here in the U.S. are really easing lockdowns to the fear of the CDC and the National Mm -hmm. Institutes of Health. So we have no idea if there's going to be another round of lockdowns coming. You know, like it's just really hard to plan. It's so hard. Not knowing what the situation is going to be in a few months based on what we're doing now. So I'm trying not to plan that far ahead. Either way, SpaceX is having a good birthday. And um, either way, yes, very, very much so. They recently got were one of the winners of the a Lunar Lander Contract Development Award for their Starship, which is incredible. For and just what a few we days later, static yeah. fire. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really great timing there. The uh, contract was announced along with Blue Origin was a winner. And their partners, Lockheed and a few other agencies. Yeah. So technically, we're referring to as the Blue Origin win is is actually known as the national team win right. because it's Blue Origin as the primary contractor mm-hmm. of one of the elements and the organization sort of overseeing the bid at large. And then Northrop Grumman will build part of the lander's propulsion system, and Lockheed Martin will build some of the habitation elements of it, while Blue Origin builds the lander. And Draper is also part of that team, contributing as well. Right. And that third company is Dianetics. Yeah, and they're based in Alabama. So it's, it's it's a cool spread. Really cool spread, yeah. I think I can say now, it's funny, Supercluster was in Washington, D.C., where I am right now. (laughs) And we were at the International Astronautical Congress late last year. We were there when Blue Origin announced the national team. I was actually sitting a few feet away from Jeff Bezos when they announced, and it was a really cool thing to happen. And then we met with Dianetics just a few hours after that at their booth. And they were talking about hopefully winning this contract. And uh, we're really happy for everyone, just the country too, in the world. Um, I'm, everyone should be trying to get back to the moon right now. And it's a long time coming. It really is. But you know, one thing that has absolutely fascinated me about this award is it was the big banner three, right? Under under whom the contracts were, were given, right? Or who are managing the contracts are SpaceX, a, a newcomer, Blue Origin, a newcomer, which hasn't even made it to orbit yet. Right. And Dynetics, 
a newcomer. Yeah. The legacies of Lockheed Martin and North of Grumman are only included because they're part of the Blue Origin national team. And, and Boeing is not Boeing's, even part of this conversation. No, but they did submit a proposal, but NASA rejected it in December, right. basically saying that it lacked substance, mm-hmm. which was fascinating that they weren't even allowed to the procurement. I think also, yes, that's made of what they wrote down on paper. It's got to be all the other problems too, though. Well, one of the significant problems was that they would not, I think that NASA said, was that they would, quote, not release the source code. But they rejected the bid prior to the Starliner incident. So those were not linked to one another, it appeared. At at least in my understanding of the timeline. Yeah. And, you know, we're going off of announced things. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, too, sometimes. It does show a shift, no matter what the reasoning is behind the scenes or the problems NASA is having with contractors. Overall, there is a shift here (laughs) happening. And this, this idea of new space is manifesting into something, into something real. It shows a conversion and NASA is taking role as what it is, an agency. It's doling out yeah. funds, it's doling out work, it's doling out responsibility to other private organizations like SpaceX and Blue Origin and Dianetics. And it's a you know smart play. This is a SpaceX-themed episode, so we can talk about real quick. I think the proof is right there. They just static fired Starship. So we can we, we know how far along SpaceX is in their development. They're doing it out in the open. But Chris, let's yeah. talk about the fun images that were released. There was a cool little lift from Starship down so the astronauts can ele- elevate down or descend down to the surface. There's yes. a cool American flag printed on the Starship. Kind of gives it that official NASA nod. You know, the NASA meatballs on the there NASA too. The NASA logo cool. is on there. Yeah, but, exactly yeah. what I was just going to say. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool to see NASA embracing Starship in this early initial form. I think there was some drama early last year, Chris, when one of the NASA centers tweeted out a picture of Starship launching a telescope or something like that that was developed at some agency. Yes, I remember de- that. Yeah, yes. you remember that? It was deleted, but it's yeah, cool the, to see. the telescope. Right. right, exactly. It's cool to see NASA embracing this, not only the technology and the concept, but the fact that SpaceX is developing this out in the open and they're doing it. I think there has been a, I think when SpaceX hopped Starhopper, I think NASA congratulated them on Twitter officially. It was either that or it was either the day Elon gave his Starship talk. There was a, there was some messaging from NASA. So it's not the first time they've well, like the day of the, Well, the day of the Starship talk was when he was when Bright Einstein chastised SpaceX right. for even working on Starship while this is a rather significant shift right. for NASA. A mm-hmm. huge shift because honest to God, I and I know a lot of other people watching did not expect SpaceX to win that award. Yeah, I, and I was they, waiting. And they did. And don't get me wrong, happened. I'm very happy to be wrong, but nothing in the lead up to this and the way that NASA has interacted has really gone that way. Now, this could be a huge element of what Doug Labarro is injecting into the human space exploration directorate within NASA. He's the new head of that. So this could, we could be seeing this shift as part of his influence, I would argue a positive influence in in this regard as well. But But that was fascinating as well to this. Right. It was a surprise, I would say, to have such an immediate endorsement of Starship right after, like you said, they kind of chastised SpaceX 
quote unquote, not really. I feel like the the narrative was they weren't focusing on dragon for dragon. And right, right. Which which, which as as has been pointed out is is right. is not the, is it's not, not the true. truth. No, no, not at all. But. But if you also looked in this release of the HLS Awards, what Jim Bridenstine said about Starship and its potentially game-changing nature, and yes, there's a lot of work, but this is something mm-hmm. that couldn't be ignored because this th- this could literally be the future. I mean, right. that that is a stunning but wonderful shift to right. see made publicly. Yeah. And, you know, if this starship isn't based on nothing, it's not a, I mean, yeah, it's a concept, but it's a concept based on a f- years of proving out Dragon and Falcon. It's an amalgam of these technologies, this reusability push that SpaceX has been doing. And Chris, funny enough, on May the 4th, SpaceX did a tweet about May the 4th, and I, SpaceX comms director James Gleason tweeted that the Falcon was named after the Millennium Falcon, which we've all known. But we then posted our picture that we took with the Lego Millennium Falcon. I think Eric Kuna took it. And it was to celebrate the fact that Falcon had landed 50 times. Mm-hmm. And that just that metric alone shows you how far in development they are with their reusability push and their and you know, just about everything they're pushing for with Starship. And I think Elon was saying that this has been the narrative from SpaceX for many years is that Mars is not possible without a fully and rapidly reusable spacecraft, all in one spacecraft, you know? And I think that narrative holds true today. And I think that Falcon 9's development and how far they've come shows that Starship is possible. Exactly. I mean, exactly. And I mean, if we're really going to talk about progress, I think that's the perfect segue into demo too. <laughs> right. Right. And this this is the first step of SpaceX making good on what they promised the world when they started the company 18 years ago. They said, we want to put humans on Mars. Well, first, they have to put humans in space. And this is what this mission is about. Indeed. And it's the culmination of, of years and years of work. It will be the culmination of NASA handing off transportation duties, all transportation right. duties to low Earth orbit to the commercial sector. They've already handed off all the cargo elements to SpaceX and Northrop Grumman and Sierra Nevada is soon to join those efforts as well. And now they'll be handing over crew transportation first to SpaceX and then at the absolute earliest, probably early next year or next year sometime, Starliner and Boeing joining with that, assuming their reflight of the orbital flight test goes well and then their crew flight test as well. Wishing Boeing the best as always. This is huge. And we are only a couple weeks away now. I mean, March. I mean, May May twenty seventh. It'll be here a lot quicker than anyone. Chris, thinks. I think it's so funny that we all keep saying March. It's because we're all still in March psychologically. We are. <laughs> I've written March out. <laughs> Chris and I t- tried to tape this podcast a few days ago, and I started out the episode with it being March, and it was just we just didn't we stopped the episode. That was, <laughs> yeah, we, got, we, we got what, like 12 minutes in and it was such yeah. a disaster and yeah, one of our yeah. computers crashed and we were just like yeah that's just a <laughs> yeah. sign we're, we're gonna win uh, yeah and since we're there let's just i just want to thank our listeners for bearing with us through this you know lockdown and i hope everyone is safe and we appreciate everyone listening and you know let's be real chris is at home i'm at home and we're recording this remotely as always but we are in this last stretch to dm2 finally 
And I, I need to be upfront to our listeners about what the situation is. Not everyone got credentialed for this mission. It's been a really tough thing. NASA, using guidelines from the Center Centers for Disease Control and the White House's Coronavirus Task Force, because of their recommendations and plus the general need to be safe, they can only allow a handful of journalists to be on site. It's more than a handful, but we're all going to be spread out. And I think we're all going to be at the ITL Causeway and watching this launch. And that's all we know so far. Some of our Chris and I's colleagues didn't get credentialed. And this is no secret. They've been tweeting about it. And, you know, it's a really tough situation. This is, it's a lot of our worst nightmares. A lot of us have been looking forward to this mission for many years. A lot of us have put in the work and the dedication to it, to telling this story and continuing to tell this story. So shout out to all our colleagues who won't be able to make it. On top of that, we're all in a tough spot right now, media companies, I mean, because no one's buying ad space and no one, you know, people generally not shopping and people are using the internet, but that doesn't equate to profits for media companies. And a lot of these companies and organizations cannot afford to send reporters to cover this mission, even if they got credentialed or not. And that is another tough thing that we have to acknowledge. But there will be a lot of resources from NASA and SpaceX and the reporters that are going to be there. We're going to try to do our best to make sure we get as much information out and coverage and help keep people feel there as much as possible. We'll be um, live but that, And Chris, real quick, just NASA Spaceflight has a new show and it's amazing. And I watch it. And we hope that Supercluster fans will watch it too. Chris, tell people how to find the new show. And how do oh, people yeah. find you? Your li- obviously, we'll, we'll be doing that week of, we'll all be tweeting all our shit to get people to listen and our other platforms as well. But tell people right now how to find your live show and how to find your channels to get prepared for DM2. Yeah, 100%. So if you go on over to YouTube and search for NASA Spaceflight, all one word, NASA Spaceflight, that's our channel. We have a, a weekly live show, uh, interactive live show with Q&A from the audience where we kind of deep dive into specific topics and take your questions on them. And then we also broadcast live. We've been broadcasting live on that channel from Boca Chica for the last few nights, and we'll be live on that channel for Demo 2 as well. And all of our streams are interactive too. So anytime we're live, we're also taking your questions and answering right. them as well. Very important part of the process. Yeah. Supercluster will be publishing, I want to say, at least five or six pieces in the next few weeks leading up to it. Maybe not that much, but that's what we're planning right now. And we have in production some really great interviews with astronauts, with ISS Mission Control, with the flight director, with former astronauts, with the social media team who will be working for 36 hours straight during this mission. We've interviewed all of them. And we're excited to tell their story. A lot of these folks are the unsung heroes of this mission. Oh, that's that absolutely fascinating. Yeah. We've been working on it for quite a while. We've, you know, with leadership from A24 and Dropbox and Grand Army, we're putting them together some amazing packages where people will dive into who the people are behind this mission and who is driving the, the public relations, the, the communications, and just everything behind this mission. Yes, we're excited for the astronauts. We're excited for SpaceX. We're excited for NASA. But we're excited for every single individual who has been working so hard to prepare for this mission and who are going to be working extremely hard during the mission to make sure that the public understand and knows what's going on. So we want to tell their story, and we're really excited to. And we have 
as for every important mission, well, not every important mission, but the ones we can, you know, actually do, we have a poster coming out. Obviously, there won't be distribution and we will be selling the poster commemoratively at some point. But we are designing a commemorative poster to celebrate this mission. And we're really excited about that. And along with our editorial, we're, you know, we're going to be doing a couple podcasts. We'll have Chris on again, probably a week before to talk about all the latest updates. And we're just generally excited. We have Eric Kuna, Pauline Acklin, and John Krauss shooting the mission for Supercluster. And uh, I will be there on site, hopefully six feet away from Chris. Chris will be there for NSF, right? (laughs) We're all all really excited. You want to keep an eye on the date and the time, you can visit supercluster.com slash launches or download the Supercluster app, which is what I encourage you to do. We have a version for Android and iPhone, and we're getting some really great feedback on it. And it's just, I love it. It's my favorite app. I know there's a conflict of interest there, but it is really something special, especially when the live stream pops up of a mission right there in your phone without having to go and seek it out. So please download it. Let us know what you think. Let us know how to make it better. We have two new applications coming out that are amazing utilities. They both incorporate the International Space Station, Dragon. Every person has ever flown to space. I've already teased too much. I'm really proud of what the Supercluster team has been doing since this lockdown. We're all separated. We're not in, at our headquarters in New York City. But everyone is cranking on these applications and these stories and all the art that you're seeing. And I just want to shout out the team. Everyone's doing so well. Shout out to NASA Spaceflight. You guys are just powering through these static fire windows and keeping everyone informed. So shout out to your team as well. You guys are awesome. And shout out to all the space journalists who have modified duty right now. A lot of our colleagues are covering coronavirus and and space and doing one or is hard enough and so shout out to those folks who have been on modified duty and having to cover space well space is still cranking and there's still plenty of news to do on top of coronavirus so and, shout and out you to know like i'll say too you know like I, I i feel for everyone all of our colleagues who didn't get in right to this and it's incredibly disappointing what i've what i've been telling my team is that Look, everything we had planned, you know, in terms of everyone being here, we'll just right. do that for the first crew flight in August or September. Exactly. This is not the you know, first if things do mission. continue to get better. Exactly. If things do continue to get better, you know, crew, the crew one flight could be awesome. A time to totally. do everything we had planned for demo yeah. two. And yeah, and we just celebrate the first operational flight instead of the first test flight with crew. And Chris, I, we always have the perfect segues here. And I want to end this episode on a higher note. We could be covering a Tom Cruise flying the space soon. Yeah. Is there a role in this film for a journalist to go along <laughs> with two, his character? Two journalists. Is there a I role? Mean, okay. I'm not saying it wouldn't be cool to walk <laughs> across the access arm of 39A and get into a dragon. Right. <laughs> But I'm also saying it's cool to do that. (laughs) Okay, I read in the... Okay, Deadline broke the story, and there was almost no information. It was basically a few sentences. And then I think a a day or two later, Jim Breinstein, the NASA administrator, tweeted that Tom Cruise will be going to the International Space Station. The original story mentioned SpaceX, and then... Jim yeah. Reinstein's and then all of a sudden they mention... the space station. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but then Elon tweeted a reply under Jim Breinstein 
that was basically, yeah, this is going to be fun. So I think that that basically confirms the original reporting from Deadline that it looks like it will be a dragon that flies Tom Cruise to the space station for whatever is happening. Now, I talked to a lot of my entertainment reporter friends today. All of them think the story is BS. I would say that in the context of how we view development in the space program, it might actually be BS. I think this story could have come out of a conversation between Tom Cruise and Jim Bridenstine and Elon and no one else, you know? Or it could have been a conversation that the Church of Scientology had with NASA or with the third-party tourism company that SpaceX is working with. I cannot remember their name right now. I apologize. But it could be many different things. We have no information is what I'm saying. I would personally really, really question it being a hoax. I mean, Mm -hmm. if the... If the head of the Federal Space Agency of the United States publicly lied so that (laughs) another company could make a profit off of a like, Yeah, no, no, I wouldn't say, and Chris, I wouldn't say it's a hoax. I would say that the way it's being presented, like Tom Cruise is flying to the ISS on Dragon or, you know, the inferences we have to make, make according to the information that's being reported. I would say that it's not as far along as it seems. Like, I don't think there's a contract in place. I don't think money has been paid. I don't think the Russians or the Japanese or anybody have been told that Tom Cruise is going to the ISS. I don't think there's been conversations outside of a few people, is what I'm saying. I do think it's a real oh, thing. okay. I just okay. don't think it's... I don't think we're at the point to say, oh, Tom Cruise is going to the space station on Dragon. I think we're way before that, is what I'm... And that's what the entertainment reporters are saying. They're like, you know, this is probably... A early, early idea that's happening. And, you know, when we hear about films that are like, you know, big films, big budget temple films and, you know, slash film or deadline or variety, we're in the early stages of that film, like a year or two before pre-production. So this project could be four or five years down the line. It could be a X amount of time. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not happening this year. Right. so to speak, and, and, I'll, and I'll leave the, you know, the specifics to the, you know, toward the entertainment industry to, to those reporters who follow that and, and right. whose beat that is. But all, but all I will say is that this isn't wildly financially unfeasible. If you're talking about the SpaceX system and what NASA has already publicly revealed is the nightly or the daily rental fee mm-hmm. for using the space station. I mean, if, if you figure... If you stick this onto the bottom of a flight-proven Falcon 9, which they could do as a private launch, mm-hmm. right? So we're talking, you know, 60... So, you know, so, so we're talking... 60 mil plus taxes. 60 mil plus taxes and insurance. Yeah, I mean, and however they want to sell the CSUN Dragon for, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, but this is a movie that could easily make all that back. In oh, Chris, how much? Because of where it's going to, because of where it's going to be filmed. You know, yeah. no. What's the reality, the economic reality of filming moving forward? I I don't know because right the first time is what draws people in to go see it, right? You know, I don't know if she, okay. Here's my personal opinion, and this is gonna be not exciting, but I don't think shooting on the space station will make a difference than what we can do here with Alfonso Cuarón and his cinematographer who won an Oscar. You know, it's like I don't know. I get the the I get the the hype around shooting on the space station and what it could do for NASA. But I don't know, like, yes, the movie is a cool idea, 
but will they sell the movie as, oh, this is the first movie shot in space, and they think people will buy tickets for that reason? That I don't know about. I think getting an entertainer to space is a cool thing. I think it'll do great for NASA and the space station. And I think Tom Cruise is a good person. I mean, considering what I know about his dedication to the art form and to, to acting and what he's done for stunts. And I know that for Mission Impossible Fallout, he did train for that helo jump and he did the helo jump. That no, not an ordinary person can do that. Yeah. And not, but like if we extrapolate this going forward and with SpaceX's involvement in all mm-hmm. of this, you know, yeah. something that could potentially could make filming space movies in space right. economically feasible is if you built the set inside of Starship. That's another thing. And, you know, we've kind of, I kind of assumed that he would be flying on Dragon, but there's a very big chance this could all be about Starship. Well, if it's, if it's talking about something on the International Space Station, right. they've confirmed that that'll be Dragon. Yeah, you know. But like we, you know, it could be down the line. I, I feel like Starship would be so much cooler. <laughs> I don't know. I just well, but, feel like but the no, just they've done in movies. You know? But but seriously, think about it. Like if we're talking about Starship being used as a point to point service as well, mm-hmm. I mean and, and Elon talking about what the price point of that particular service would be. Even the you know the the low cost overall for the system that they're designing for for super heavy as well. What's to say it's not completely economically affordable to write a film set in space, build the entire set inside one starship, and launch your whole cast and crew? Chris, now we're now we're now we're getting into some insurance stuff here. I don't know. Well, <laughs> yeah, we are. I, 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 I'm just saying, like, it's, it, that, that, that's actually what this story made me think about, not so much the yeah, actual totally, thing. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, know, how are they going to physically pull have, that off on board the station? Right. You know, but... And Chris, I have a million like, questions. Cool. Right, I have a million questions about this whole thing. But first and foremost is, like, what is the script to look like? And I, I, I think in the past, the way it works with NASA is, like, to film at the VAB... Or like at the press site for the movies Contact, Armageddon, that have all been filmed on NASA property. I know that NASA does have to like read the script and see if it's appropriate. And the filmmakers in the studio have to have some pretty deep connections with the military. To Like Michael Bay is the only director who could have filmed. And Ron Howard inside the VAB. You need like big, you need a really great production. You need a huge budget. And you need some contacts in the military and in the U.S. government to get that done. Like, if you and me can't shoot our student film at the VAB, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it takes a, a big production to get that sort of thing going. What's really interesting about the Deadline article is that they said that, or implied that no studio was involved yet, which is surprising to me. With the kind of money it takes, even though SpaceX is providing a very, the cheapest possible flight to the space station at this point. Well, but I could I can see why entertainment reporters would be questioning this if no major studio is involved. Right, exactly. And that's think that's the, the real big bullet point there about why my entertainment reporter friends do doubt the story. I mean, let me tell you, a lot of, I mean, not a lot, but there is quite a few entertainment stories that come out there that are debunked not too soon after. So, you know what I mean? So I, I'm putting it that way, but also Jim Bridenstine did confirm it. Elon did say, hey, this is going to be fun, which means he clearly knows about it. So I think that we have some kind of conversation going. That's as much as I'm willing to say about the situation that Tom Cruise is having a conversation with NASA and with SpaceX about flying to the space station. But 
doesn't seem like it's studios involved and that's the money. But at the same time, if you're talking about one of Hollywood's movie stars that have a ton of money, it's Tom Cruise. He's also a member and high ranking member of the Church of Scientology. And I think according to their last tax records, have a $1.2 billion fund. The money could come from a few different places is what I'm trying to say to fund this mission. I think, Chris, you mentioned if they flew the mission on a reusable rocket, it'd be around 60 mil plus taxes and insurance. But for the for the flight and Tom Cruise would buy one of the seats on the flight. So do we know how much that price point is, Chris? I believe it's 55 million a seat. SpaceX will make a profit off flying humans to space. That are non. Yeah. I mean, I mean the fifty-five million a seat is based on the OIG's, mm-hmm. the Office of the Inspector General's report, mm-hmm. right. a- assuming four seats are sold each flight. Okay. So all we can do is, is kind of quote that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, that's basically all the information we have. But but, um, but that's that's also the price point for government missions based on all the contracts for commercial crew and. And stuff like that. Who who knows if that's the actual price point SpaceX is charging private companies, you right? Know, and the negotiations right. that go on there. Well, we're still in the beginning phases of this space tourism, and we'll obviously be talking about it more. It'll be more of a real thing once these companies fly astronauts first, and then start flying civilians and other folks after that. And we'll obviously have some updates, Chris. Before we end the show, Starlink is coming up. Want to just throw out a date for that? Do we have a date? So yeah, in terms of some upcoming launches, the next one worldwide isn't until Tuesday, May 12th. It's a Chinese launch for the Xingyun 1 and 2 satellites, one of which will actually be named Wuhan in honor of all the first responders in Wuhan province who treated the initial outbreak of COVID-19. That's coming up on the 12th. After that, sometime in that same week, we will have presumably the Starship hop to 150 meter test somewhere in that time frame, followed on May 16th by the launch of the X-37B mini space plane for the US Air Force that will be going up on a United Launch Alliance Atlas V rocket from the Cape Canaveral Air Force Station. No time of day yet publicly released for that one. And then shortly after that one, on the 18th of May right now, is the next Starlink mission at 3.09 a.m. from Pad 40 at the Cape. Nice. And we will, Sir Cluster will be there for both the Starlink mission and the space plane launch and lead up to DM2, which we will also be at. Chris, thank you so much. And I will have you back on the show in a couple of weeks so we can talk about, you know, DM2 again. I'm sure we'll have some more updates on what's going down and before we head over to Cape Canaveral. And uh, thank you to our listeners for continuing and joining us. And we hope you're safe and hope all is well. And we hope that you're staying inside.